Hello and welcome to the BL podcast. I am Nivedita Varadarajan. Crystal recently launched a sustainability yearbook to gauge India Inc's environmental, societal and governance performance. This is popularly known as ESG and it is gaining traction in India. The SEBI 2 is set to implement rules that will ensure companies report their performance in these areas. What is in the sustainability yearbook? Merin Lodha who is a director at Crystal Research joins us today to help us understand the issues better. Thank you so much for joining us today Merin. Yeah thank you Niveta for for having me on this platform. So Merin what are some of the trends that you are seeing in the ESG uh, risk assessment? Yeah. So uh, Niveta I think uh, what we've done is we've analyzed uh, Uh, ESG risk for 586 Indian companies that are spread across roughly 53 sectors. The the macro trend that we see among these 586 companies is very simple. We are clearly seeing an improvement in their ESG scores or an improvement in their ESG risk quotient. And this is this is true for the majority of the companies when we compare them to their previous year. uh what is driving this is uh, clearly two key points i think one is there definitely been better disclosures a part of it is also because you know we are at the cusp of brsr being implemented and uh, you know a lot of companies are preparing to move towards the brsr regime but more importantly we are actually seeing better performance on various esg parameters mm-hmm. so if i just highlight you know two three key parameters where we are seeing a substantial improvement is one is renewable energy consumption second is gender diversity and the third is uh, overall board independence both in terms of numbers as well as spirit how are companies transitioning to sebi's brsr framework so brsr uh, you know it's a reporting framework or guideline you can say by sebi mm mm-hmm. top 1000 indian corporates by market capitalization will have to report under the brsr framework starting fy23 onwards which is the current financial year so brsr as a framework it is pretty comparable to some of the global frameworks such as gri in fact there was a 91% overlap between brsr and gri and as you must be aware a lot of indian corporates already use gri for their esg reporting so in that sense uh, you know migrating to brsr should not be a big challenge at least for the corporates who already been doing it yes some of the mid and the small sized corporates they will now have to start looking at you know measuring and reporting their esg related data so that is how we see brsr uh, you know playing out maybe over the next year or two are you comparing how easy it is for bigger companies to comply versus how easy is it for smaller companies to comply is, is there a difference between the two see there'll be a difference because of obvious reasons larger companies have more resources at their disposal i think one of the key concerns that we also seeing is the capability gap on the esg side see esg i mean let's all agree it's a you know in the current form and shape it's a more recent phenomenon hmm. so till the time you have enough number of esg professionals who are able to handhold these corporates in their entire esg journey right from monitoring and measuring the 
ESG parameters, creating a strategy, implementing some of the strategy aspects. I think all these things will require uh, ESG professionals to play a key role. You know, capacity cannot be built overnight. You know, it will take time. Larger corporates will be able to attract talent better, uh, you know, be ahead in the curve also because they have access to, you know, some of the global investors. They will take the lead when it comes to ESG. For some of the mid and the smaller companies, I think it will take a while. But the good thing is we are seeing some progress already happening there. Is this one of the reasons why, according to your report, 74 companies have a weak or below average uh, ESG score? No, that's an interesting question, uh, Neveta. I think if you look at, uh, you know, the companies in the below average and weak category, the key reasons are a lot of these companies do not have, you know, specific uh, ESG-related policies or climate-less policies in place. Uh, Forget having targets on reducing emissions, a lot of these companies don't even measure their emissions or other environment-related data. So a lot of these companies are still in that very early stage of doing anything on the ESG front. Uh, Interestingly, if you look at the proportion, I think a lot of unlisted and mid-size and small-size companies would be in that weak and uh, below-average category. Whereas, you know, if I look at the larger companies, large caps, less Mm -hmm. than 10% of them would be in the you know, weak and below average category. Does that also have something to do with the type of sector they are in? Sector definitely has a role to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think uh, we should not, you know, give over importance to sector as the only determinant. I think we've seen that. To give you an example, if you look at some of the polluting sectors like power, mm. thermal power, you have leaders, ESG leaders in those sectors Now, ESG leaders are companies which have the highest score in that particular sector. So if you look at power sector, the ESG leader would, you know, beat the sector score by almost more than 30%. And their score would be, you know, almost at par or even slightly better compared to the average score for some of the service sectors like uh, could be IT, could be BFSI and so on. So while sector does play a role, you know, it does have a overhang you know, your business model will lead to certain constraints. You can't have power companies suddenly removing all their emissions. But having said that, uh, you know, what's more important is how are you able to push the needle when it comes to ESC? Are you able to perform better compared to your peers? Do you have, you know, climate risk related policies in place? Do you have clearly defined targets? So all these things are, are elements which finally determine your overall score. So I want to ask you in an overall manner, what are some of the key changes compared to the last year for Mm -hmm. across all sectors and across all industries? So as I mentioned earlier, I think at an overall level, uh, you know, there are more improvements rather than reductions in score. If I give you some numbers around this, for 14 companies, we've actually seen a positive deviation. When I say a positive deviation, we mean more than a five-point change in score, upward revision in score. So, Mm. 14 companies have seen a significant positive deviation, whereas only three companies have seen a significant negative deviation, which means their score has actually reduced by more than five points. So, who are these three companies? Uh, So, I'll not have the names with me right now. Okay. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, 
the the common elements here are uh, you know if i if i look at the upgrades it is obviously because uh, companies have been able to improve their performance on key parameters especially on parameters such as emissions renewable energy also you know a lot of companies have been able to come up with their sr which means better disclosures and you know hence our uh, you know ability to score them goes up so you know these are these are some of the reasons why we've seen a, a you know a general improvement in score i think some of the other and i think the question that you asked me is pretty broad i'll take the liberty to spend a few more minutes on this yes, please do so you know a few other interesting trends that i see is uh, you know one is on the psu side public sector undertakings so when i look at psu companies uh, you know their score is pretty similar compared to the private companies uh, you know average score for psus versus private it's both at roughly around 54 however psu companies tend to perform much better compared to private companies when it comes to uh, these social aspects so if i look at parameters such as gender diversity you know public sector undertakings actually had a better gender diversity compared to private companies uh, similarly if i look at attrition attrition was much lower for uh, psus you know another area where they fare significantly better is uh, you know the pay equality so the average uh, ceo pay to median employee salary for psus was you know the ratio was somewhere around 4.8 times whereas for private companies it's somewhere on 137 times so these are areas where i think psus are doing better uh, having said that uh, you know when it comes to governance psus obviously lack private companies i think uh, you know the independence of board i think that has been one uh, you know long standing challenge for psus just to again throw some color there till about a year back share of independent directors for the psus that we were covering was only around 20% last one year we've seen this number come up significantly to about 40% but it still remains uh, much lower compared to the 51% average that we see for the private companies so these were i think uh, some of the uh, uh, you know at least the interesting trends that we've seen in the past one year let's come the other way around instead of going esg let's go let's talk about governance first private and public players have different perform at different levels in the scale can you tell us a little bit about that see i think uh, you know if you look at uh, psus as i mentioned earlier uh, you know on governance uh, the challenges that we see is one clearly the share of independent directors which i spoke about earlier second is also the functioning of various committees so if you look at key committees like the audit committee the remuneration committee chair of independent directors is far lesser in psus for these committee also many a times we see that these committees are not headed by the independent directors whereas in case of private companies the share of independent directors is roughly about 3/4 for each of these key committees you know the entire functioning of the board the number of meetings the attendance of directors i think all these elements play a very crucial role when it comes to setting governance standards and we see private companies doing much better in each of these areas 
other area is uh, you know for private companies women directors or gender diversity on board was 19% whereas for psus it was only 13% so these are these are some of the reasons why uh, you know psus have been lacking uh, sorry lagging behind uh, private companies when it comes to governance having said that uh, you know are we seeing changes happening absolutely yes you know past few months i can name at least three psus you know ntpc iocl bpcl even someone like mtnl they've added uh, you know at least four to six new independent directors on their board so clearly the efforts being made and uh, you know maybe it's only a matter of time before we we see governance standards coming at par for both psus and private companies i like to ask you a little bit about the s category the social category you talked a bit about attrition rates and gender equality what other things are you looking at in the report yeah so on social i think there are three key pillars that we look at one is uh, you know the employee well being where we look at factors like gender diversity training attrition workplace policies uh and so on so these are these are all parameters related to employees the second is we look at uh, you know the entire value chain so when i say the value chain you know how is the company working with their vendors their suppliers and not just that even the customers so there stuff like uh, you know uh, customer satisfaction you know some sort of a nps score do they have policies in place to uh monitor customer feedback and take action on it so these are these are the elements there the third pillar is local communities and this especially becomes very relevant in case of uh, uh you know companies that have projects being implemented which requires large scale displacement of local communities to implement those projects you know could be power companies could be transport infra companies and so on so how are you dealing with you know local communities what is the impact that you creating some of your csr related spends uh you know all those elements get covered there uh so what are some of your big finds in the other two the employee well being you spoke a little about what about the other two i think uh, i look at it in the indian context i think the focus is still on the employee well being part clearly the focus needs to go up on uh, you know the value chain the customers i think not many companies i can think of only a handful of companies that actually have very clearly defined and articulated policies around gathering customer feedback implementing it they might have it internally but is it communicated in their sustainability reports in their various other reports at least i don't see that uh you know also being transparent around uh you know some of the uh customer uh, surveys or you know the nps scores if they are tracking it i think all these all these elements are the areas where i see merin let's talk about the environment that's the one thing that unites all of our concerns just this month we saw floods in assam north india saw a second round of intense heat waves and there was a threat of a cyclone what are companies doing to tackle these problems no very interesting see i think uh, to be honest climate risk action in india is at a very nascent stage hmm. and you know forming policies around climate risk trying to reduce emissions i think all these elements are uh, pretty limited to only the large corporates 
there's very little awareness beyond that. So, for instance, if I give you a number, uh, you know, only 18 companies in our coverage have actually set net zero targets that have been independently validated by the SPTI. So, you know, this, this space clearly needs a lot of attention. However, the good thing is uh, uh, there are a lot of discussions that we hear around this. I think if, and, and as you rightly said, you know, whatever is happening in terms of, you know, record temperatures, flash floods, I think none of this, even the air quality index, none of this is unnoticed by the corporates. So they are, you know, they've, they've started working towards this. What we're seeing in terms of action is companies are investing in, uh, you know, setting up comprehensive tracking mechanisms. You know, they are talking about implementing uh, detailed uh, EMS, which is environment management systems. Also, good thing is they are forcing their supply chain to similarly track these parameters. So these are all, you know, uh, some of the some of the action points which we see are happening on the ground. You know, my discussions tell me that you know more and more companies are looking at setting emission targets. So we we'll perhaps have that number of eighteen companies going up significantly, and we'll have more companies setting their emission targets as per the SBTI framework as well as start tracking uh, physical risks in line with the TCFD reporting requirements. Climate risk is not something which can be tackled only by the private sectors, right? So what can the government do to help them? It's a very serious public policy issue after all. See, government on its part, uh, you know, they've been at least working on two value chains, which is, uh, you know, one is the entire energy value chain. And the second is, uh, uh, you know, the auto value chain. So on energy, government is looking at uh, incentivizing uh, renewable energy. There's a lot of focus there. We've set our own national uh, renewable energy targets. Government is also, you know, of late, there's been a lot of focus on green hydrogen. And, you know, there's a lot happening around that entire energy value chain. Similarly, on auto, I think there's there, there are a lot of incentives to improve the adoption of uh, EVs or electric vehicles. So these are two areas where, where I think the government is already focusing. What we feel is, uh, you know, there's only so much that the government can do through, you know, direct funding or incentivizing. We'll have to come up with some innovative solutions to also parallelly look at some of the other polluting sectors. So maybe what the government can look at is, uh, you know, working with the industry bodies in each of these sectors, coming up with, uh, you know, uh, joint funding programs for greener technologies in these sectors. So some way of incentivizing uh, investments towards green technologies without actually burdening the government coffers. So this is this is what I would suggest needs to be done. But is that enough? Because in your report itself, you said that only 23 companies have disclosed their actual physical climate risks. Are we doing enough? See, it's... Uh, it's a question of how soon and how much. I think, uh, you know, it's always very difficult to say that, you know, this is what will be enough. Uh, having said that, uh, you know, there are two elements here. One is, I think, from a government perspective, what the government needs to do is clearly, uh, you know, create, uh, you know, acceptance of greener technologies, you know make greener technologies viable for those specific industries. This is where the government can play a role. 
uh, on the reporting side monitoring i think this is where the regulatory agencies you know someone like sebi rbi can come in and play a role in terms of uh, you know what needs to be done from a reporting monitoring perspective so i think this is this is how i see the role of maybe the government and the regulators playing out in this space thank you manin for joining us today thanks manin